Gambling Laws of Vegas. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Welcome in, Reno. Vegas here, ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. James Heldon is out down at Silver Sevens. Willie's here. Cofield, Danny is back in our Finley Toyota Studios. We always start off the 4 o'clock hour with the Big Four. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. Willie loves his national days. Today is a fried potato product. National Tater Tot Day. So I have to pose the question. Danny and I are in agreement. Are tater tots still acceptable? You don't see it around a lot. You see it random. Well, maybe the places you venture to. I think every I think every bar in town that does their own food now has the option of tater tots. And there's a lot of places that have loaded tots with like six different styles. Tater tots... Yeah, I, I remember in the '80s it was like, "Hey, that's just a little kids' food," well, and and now why. it's it's on. I think it's on every freaking menu. I actually I got to pull up the, the last year's French fry rankings. Mm. There actually were French fry rankings. Yes. And we talked about uh, it. Yeah, I, I actually think tater tots is is in the top five. Might be in the top three. I well, here's why we, you talk about the '80s because in the '70s at the school, elementary school where my old Vegas peeps at, um, Robert E. Lake Elementary. Back then, all the schools had the same sandwiches in elementary. It was the Big Western, the Big Nevadan. The Big Western was like a barbecue beef. The Big Nevadan was like ham and cheese. <laughs> I'm getting choked up thinking about it. But it was always tater tots. The problem was they had to do them in mass. So they were stuck in the chafing dish. They were never crispy. So that's why they, they, they sort of, no pun intended, but left a bad taste. But if they're done properly... Like the air fryer, right? You probably could get a nice, good crisp. All they are are just are just bite-sized hash browns. Yeah. So if you crisp them up nice, I'll tell you what would be good, or what is good. If you're a biscuits and gravy fan, you got you use that same type of nice gravy in the morning with the tater. That that's your breakfast mm. potato. With some with some over easy eggs, and then you you poke the yolk. Sorry, I did the the growl from Fatso. Remember that movie? Yeah, Dom DeLuise. Yes. Sure. But the, the super fat guy, they're just talking about food to him, and he's just like, mm. Well, you're the super fat guy on the show, so it makes sense. <laughs> Take it easy. Um, am I correct in saying that on National Tater Tot Day, they, they are included in the French fry group, right? I would think so. Okay. French fry rankings from a year ago, they're not on the list. Let's see where you want to insert them here. I'm going to go from 10 on down. Uh, home fries, so a little breakfast. Cottage fries, solid. I think you're ahead of cottage fries. Belgian fries. Potato wedges. I think they're definitely ahead of potato wedges. Potato wedges are just too thick to get crispy. Steak fries. Is tater tots or are tater tots starting to get out of their league now? Out of their depth? Just keep going. I'm, I'm okay. typing as you go. So shoe, string, shoe, shoe string fries. It's McDonald's fries. Crinkle cut. All right, this is where we got some competition. But I think tater tots is in this range. Curly fries, then waffle fries, then your standard fries. I think it's a top five fry. Wait, tater what tots. Was that? Curfle, cur- curly, oh then waffle. Yes. Crin- then crinkle regular. cut, curly, waffle, regular. 
Okay, so regular are are the ones that we would see at Mickey D's where the shoestring are probably really tight. Dan, you want to jump in here because here's the deal. I don't like shoestring. Okay, here's the thing. And I don't like curly. There are you can argue. Okay, so like home fries, cottage fries, potato wedges. I agree. They you, you can't get them crispy. Now steak fries at like a good like at a bar place that has good bar food. If you tell them extra crispy. They come in mm. solid. They, I used to get that with a with a good hangover uh, meal yeah. when I worked at this office building on the east side, and you'd get a club sandwich with fried egg, and I tell them to make the steak fries extra crispy. There you go. I, uh, think, I think steak, I think steak fries. I think steak fries. You got to have okay, some sort of gravy to go with it, because then you got to. It's like fries. a spatula. No, like you're picking up the gravy. No, a little more surface shush. to take up the gravy to take up the uh, country gravy to brown gravy. Okay. Disco fries. Just shush. Okay, so shoestring, I'm dumping. Crinkle cut. Crinkle cut are kind of, they're up there with potato wedges because if you don't do them right and get them crispy, they're too fat. I agree. Um, curly fries, yeah, they got to be done right. Because too much they, junk. Too so much junk all over them. Too much yeah, junk. Yeah, zoom in. And then waffle fries are good. Um, a couple of a couple of joints in town that do it right. And then the regular fries. So now I've got it whittled down to six. So if you throw tater tots in there above potato and steak fry, guess what? They are now number five. Number three. Wait, tater tots are number three or number five? Number three. Leon keeps saying number three. Are you sure? You want to revisit these rankings? No. Number three. Okay. Well, you send over weird stories sometimes. I'm going to set this up by saying this. Did you uh, did you see the movie with De Niro and uh, Zac Efron, Dirty Grandpa? No. Very cheesy 2016 movie. But funny, and a lot of dirty lines. A lot of dirty lines. But the unsettling part of it was uh, Zach Efron bare-assed in like a, I almost said a shoestring. A G-string. <laughs> a G-string. Showing his tater tots? No, he had like a, a, a big B to like, you know, carry the package. But he's shirtless and, you know, like I said, bare-assed for, I mean, it was like a good 10 minutes. And I'm like, all right, enough of this. Enough of this. And then you sent over a story today talking about Derek Jeter in a thong. Yeah, he was on, on here. He was on Jimmy Fallon. He revealed that, my goodness, he wore a lucky golden thong in a Yankees game to break the hitting slump. Mr. October. Is this kind Mr. of Mr. Like, November, really. Did Do you think that maybe he, he, he slept with Susan Sarandon and she told him to... Put garters on or something to change the mojo. Remember in Bull Durham? Yeah, different kind of slump buster. Well, that was that's a rump buster. Mm. But yeah, uh, that's how he broke out of a major hitting str- slump, wearing a golden thong. And it's a, a quote unquote, I wore I once wore a thong in public in front of thousands of people. I'm going to need something stronger than that coffee. Jeter joked when he first opened the envelope, which was picked by the audience. It was a and this was. Confessions on Jimmy Fallon, so he had to he had to confess sure, something. Sure. So, uh, yeah, uh, it was it was it was it was a it was a nice little enlightening moment for the late night audience. Who knows how many more? This is good. How many more confessions might we see if Stephen A. Smith is hosting something? I don't want to get into what Stephen A. Smith was talking about last year with butts. Not going to do it. Because he he, 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 he revealed that he was an arse man. He might get a lot of NBA. Yeah, I was talking about that. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, he might get some. some yeah. Good interviewers 
like the really good ones, can calm a subject down and get them so relaxed that they will say stuff like this. And then after the show, they're like, wait, what did I say? Yeah. Okay, full confession. We're a full disclosure show. Okay. Sorry, Reno. Vegas is used to this. I think I know the answer because your heyday was the 80s and into the 90s. I don't, I'm not even going to ask, have you ever worn a thong? I'm going to ask was how many times you did, and did you have some you know, some regular thongs that you used all the time? You're Vegas in the 80s. Never I know you life. did. I swear to God. Really? Never? Never, no. Why are you embarrassed? You're looking at me like you're all sheepish now. Because I'm trying to figure out a way to say this, but it's just... It, 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 whatever's down there is, is going to cover cheeks. There's yeah. nothing going between. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't feel. It doesn't. It doesn't seem like it would be comfortable. Oh, no, no, no. And I'm out. no, 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 no. You just said. What? You just said. Oh, uh, it doesn't feel. Oh, I mean, it does. We got. We just caught you. You said Wait, it doesn't no, you feel. Yeah. James, Danny, he just said it doesn't feel. Uh, yeah. I would imagine it doesn't feel. You just caught yourself because you slipped up. No. Freudian slip. I would, I would swear on. When Bible. did you have a thong between your cheeks? Oh, I my didn't. God. I didn't. I would never do it. I just don't think it looks like it's comfortable. And the other one is playing sports. Well, I guess, you know. Yeah, maybe the tickled. I mean, the jock strap is kind of. Do we keep going with this? The guy did date Madonna. Number two. We need to book Canseco. He'll be like, yep. <laughs> did it all the time. The snitch. Pro Bowl games are here. We're going to talk about this this hour and next. Give me the Pro Bowl games event that you're most excited about. Well, I, yeah, I'm definitely – it's only because I really want to see the participant win, but the best catch competition. Because when you were a kid, Steve, right, Nerf football was all about diving for the ball, right? It was all about being Lynn Swan, Drew Pearson, laying out for it. Leave your feet. Stretch out. I want to see the creativity. It's almost like I picture this to be like the slam dunk competition, the best catch. What are they going to come up with? Creativity, innovation, and I want my guy Amon Ross St. Brown to win it. Well, they've got dodgeball in this. Dodgeball could be kind of cool. we got Max Crosby and Josh Jacobs. I'm putting my money on, on Max. Longest drive? Pick up a golf club, start whacking away? It's, and a lot of it's big fellas. You trust D-linemen and O-linemen to be real good long drivers? I mean, they have the power. Do they have the form? Oh, yeah, but is it is it actual club or is it maybe like a whiffle? What, Four what players it? from each conference will compete in a challenge to drive a golf ball the furthest distance off a tee. Uh, you know what? You're right. They could bring out uh, whiffle clubs. Good. I doubt that'll happen, though. Precision know. passing. That's where Derek Carr is involved. Trevor Lawrence. Huntley, Cousins, Geno Smith, Jared Goff. You've talked about the best catch scenario. What is the gridiron gauntlet? A side-by-side relay race uh, showcasing strength, speed, agility. Six players from each conference will compete to see who finishes first and wins three points for his team. I mean, as we said yesterday, this is the superstars from 70s and 80s TV with NFL players, and I love it. Battle of the Network Stars. Remember that? An offshoot. The obstacle course. And you got me going yesterday at the end of the show. I, I totally forgot about Gabe Kaplan, and I forgot that Joyce DeWitt was a very underrated athlete. Yeah. She and will the, not be in this one. And the, Oh, no. Did I just commit a dead or alive? Is she still around? I screw that up all the time. 
the regulars that were on that. I told you the most underrated female athlete was Joyce. Oh, you brought her yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We mentioned her. Yeah, we Gavin McLeod would would often be in too. He was a tennis player. Boy, Gavin, man, you you, you get us going on some of these topics. I met Gavin McLeod at the Sahara Pool when I was a little kid. You did. Yeah. How would he look? Seventy. He looked like Captain Stubing. Yeah. He. I watch a lot of Love Boat. Yeah, you watch the Love Boat channel, from my understanding. Yes. I love the Love Boat. Pluto. I love the Love Boat. But I I do a lot of age checks. I swear, when Stubing started that, I think the show, the Love Boat, started in 78. When it started, I think Stubing was three or four years younger than both of us. I mean, come on. Didn't you think he was 70 on the show? Bald, white hair. Well, I don't know what I would think in terms of ages, but, yeah, he definitely didn't look like in his... I I do kind of... I guess I do kind of trip out when I hear, you know, ages of guys... People that we watched back then or whatever, and then then go, wait, wait a minute, I'm 53 now, yeah. I know. Well, I mean, obviously the craziest one was the uh, side-by-side with Wilford Brimley at 51 and Jennifer Aniston at 51. I mean, I I thought... Brimley looked... 75 years old when he was 40. Speaking of Aniston, did you like that text I sent you the other night? I don't remember. What was it? It was a link. It was a link to a story, but it was a pictorial of, of her friendship with somebody. Oh, is that right? I want to hear more about that on the way back. We're also, Willie is suggesting, well, someone is not abiding by the rules with the TB12 retirement. Is this serious? People are still going to try to coax this guy out? He wants to retire. Let it go. He finally came to grips with the whole freaking thing. Big Ford Forest brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Now offices in Reno and Las Vegas. And Henderson, you call when you need help from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Willie's here at Schofield, Silver 7, 77-cent beers during the big game. When VGK is back on the ice, 77-cent beers. Bud, Bud Light, Mick Ultra for all the Vegas Golden Knights games the rest of the way. Uh, the text you sent me with Jennifer Aniston, who was she with? Amanda Anka. Oh, okay. They're be- they're, they're, uh, her and Jason Bateman, who you've seen. Oh, in, that's what you uh, said. I'm sorry, I didn't get the click on that. There are a the number of... More about well, no, it wasn't. It was about the friendship between Aniston. Oh, it was about her friendships altogether. You're right. But Amanda, I thought that the, I thought there was a lot of um, picture pictorial with her, and because she she's been in so many movies with Jason Bateman, but they their relationship goes way back. Their friendship. Um, were they in like how many horrible bosses did they do? Two or three? Those were good movies. Yeah. She was a good character, Aniston. Yeah, I, oh, I love Jennifer. I love them in uh, what a, what a meanie. Though, even though he was a set, he was a supporting actor. She was on with uh, remember uh, the breakup with Vince Vaughn, mm-hmm. and he was in the he was in the he was in that movie as well. He he was the realtor, but they're good friends. But anyway, they're all good friends through uh, Jennifer Anderson's different bows. They've gone on vacations. They've spent holidays together. So yeah, I, I was scrolling through it. and I I saw that. And I just so I was like, oh, let me just share this. And I thought I thought the last name would pop for you, and you would recognize. For people in Reno who haven't heard this show before, why is Anka significant to you? Amanda Anka's father is singer, songwriter, entertainer Paul Anka. 
which is my mother's brother. There you go. All right. So like, from like, here on, like two, from, two or three degrees of separation. From, Look at you. So from here on out, really from two? four to five, if you're tuning in, when you ever hear your uncle, when you ever you hear Uncle Paul, right. you know why. There you go. Tom Brady wants to retire. He's done. He got emotional yesterday. He said, uh, "You know, I'm not going to do what I did last year. It's not going to be all dramatic." Is Bobby Kraft trying to do something here? I, the nerve of this guy, the audacity. By the way, Uncle Paul's 81. He's not retired. Um, Robert Kraft says that he plans to get Tom Brady. Now, the headline was that he gets Tom Brady to play for the Patriots. We'll do everything in our power. And if you read deeper into it, I'm not so sure if they if they didn't create that headline for clickbait, Steve, because he says he would love to get him back. The fans want it. The fan, or Not only do I want it, the fans are clamoring for it. But let me read this. And to us, he is, always has been, and always will be a Patriot. And we will be bringing him back after. I have not. I don't like to make a commitment for him. But we will do everything in our power to bring him back, have him sign off as a Patriot. What could that mean? He unretires briefly. They sign him to, like, a one-day contract, and he retires as a Patriot. Because I'm not reading in here anything about playing and putting the pads on and leading him to another championship. Because he goes on to say, and find ways to honor him for many years to come because he did so much to bring life and good cheer to our community, and he's a beloved figure. And he's earned the respect and love that people feel for him like no other athlete in our town, and we've had some great ones. So something tells me it's more about bringing him back just in person sign a one-day contract, and then retire as a patron. I get it. I get it. But the headline, of course, is that he's trying to get him to play for it. it he, did he say, yeah, I would love for him to do it? Absolutely. Come over and play. But uh, there's no telling. There's no telling. But you know what? With Bob Kraft, this dude might be up to anything. we got the Shrine Bowl coming up today, 5.30 kickoff over at Allegiant. Willie did a bunch of interviews yesterday. One of them was with the former – Redskin Hog, offensive lineman, massive human being, great college football analyst in Mark May. And you guys started out the conversation just talking about the event and how cool the Shrine Bowl is. It's extremely special, not only for that, because what happens is it's the attention that the game gets. And now it's growing bigger and bigger, and, and it's almost as big as it used to be because it used to be huge because of, there weren't that many games. Well, now it's back to what it used to be. And it's a lot of more players are focused on it, a lot of fans are focused on it because what's different now Back in the day, there was like the NFL, the CFL, that's it. Now you've got the NFL, the CFL, the XFL, the USFL. So there's plenty of opportunities for these players to play professional football. So their careers are probably going to last a lot longer than they have in the past just because of those opportunities. So games like this, they can showcase their wares, but they can have time with scouts, time with NFL coaches. And that's what's more important is building those relationships. They're also spending some time with some very special children and sort of learning a life lesson, if you will. Another part of it, because, you know, they have their fans in their own stadiums, whether they come from the SEC, the Pac-12, the Mountain West. But these are a different this is a different population of fan base um, in, 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 in what they're learning this week. Well, what they're learning this week is, is one to be humble and be charitable, which is great. One to carry the word of Shriners Hospital, Shriners Children's Hospital. And I think that's more important because. When I was young and I first went to college, Coach Cheryl took us all to the, the Children's Hospital at the University of Pittsburgh. So we had a chance to see those kids, spend time with them, relate to them, 
and you finally figured out how fortunate you really were to be there, no matter if you're a good athlete or a bad athlete. And that carried on throughout my career and still does today. And I think with players like this and their young players like this to experience this and know and believe on what they can do and what they can give with just a little bit of time and spending time with some of these kids, I think that's the most important thing, and that will carry on down the road. So I think that's one of the things that they're going to get out of this that they'll probably probably last with it for the rest of their lives. So i got to ask you, uh, away from this game itself, but sticking with the the college football in Las Vegas theme, um, a lot of things coming to Las Vegas now. You've seen, I mean, from your career, back in, in, during your career, NFL in Las Vegas was taboo. You didn't say them in the same sentence unless you lived in Las Vegas or you might have been a bookmaker. Now, this is the epicenter for everything. Do you remember back in the day where you weren't even allowed to go to casinos when I played? It was like if you're if you're caught in a casino or doing an event in a casino, it was taboo. It was like, no, you need to see the commissioner. You got a letter in the mail. And now it's like you're betting in stadiums. So it's like it's incredible and it's changed. And it's good for the NFL. It's good for the fan base. The fan base obviously loves it because it continues to grow and grow and grow almost each and every day and each and every week. And I think the NFL appreciates it because they're bringing more money into the game. And the key to that is, is people always talk about money. Yeah, there's billions of dollars out there, but there's so many facets that the NFL is involved with, with retirement players, the healthcare for tired players that they donate to. And all this is going to keep going and going and, and it's basically a great circle. It's not a vicious circle. It's a continuing circle in a positive way. And I think it's really going to help players down the road in their retirement. And when you're a player, you don't realize that. When I was young, it was like, ah, I'm going to play forever. Don't worry about that. I'll be fine. But no, you've got to realize the average NFL career is only 3.4 years. Now with the other leagues, these guys are probably going to play, have an opportunity to play 8, 10 years. You know, if you don't make it in the NFL, go to the USFL, go to the XFL. You'll have that opportunity. If you're not drafted early in the NFL, then you can go to the other leagues also and show your wares again and get better and craft your skill. Of the retired players that make it to the the set, if you will, the TV set, broadcast booth, you have one of the best eyes in football, um, Josh McDaniels. He just finished up his first season as coach of the Raiders. Um, not exactly the way Raider Nation would have liked it to go, but um, moving pieces a lot. He's got the, arguably the best receiver in the game. What what do you see from from afar of what you've seen? What do you observe that the Raiders need to do? Obviously, you got to answer a quarterback question, but in terms of getting back to what Al Davis was trying to build in that commitment to excellence. Uh, Raider fans are going to like this, but um, Josh McDaniels, I wasn't a big proponent of him being hired for this job because his record, what he did at Denver, and then he turned down the job in Indianapolis, and it's like, is this the right guy? Is he ready to be a head coach, or is he just a great assistant coach? Some guys are Mr. Spock, some guys are Captain Kirk. So you're going to have to find out. But I think the key to this is you've got to go back to the basics and fundamental. You build the team from the inside out. Get that offensive line right, and you don't have to get the great quarterback. You can get a really good quarterback. So that's the way you build your team, your foundation from the inside out. The interior line on defense and offense, that's the way you build a football team. And that's never going to change. And when you go back to the bases and you're one of the best teams, look at Philadelphia this year. Just in a year, what they've been able to accomplish. You know, everybody looked at Jalen Hurts. He can't make it in the NFL. Then look what they did. The general manager went out and got him players, traded for players, signed for players, drafted players. And look where they are right now. They're playing in the Super Bowl. If you take that approach to this, where you do every facet in the game, not only draft the players, because you have to develop them for the long term, but go out and sign players, trade for players, because draft picks are important but if you want to win now the Rams are able to do that you can win in a hurry if you want to if you do it the right way final question big announcement Tom Brady hanging it up for the second time but he says it's him serious I personally feel like he's going out on his own accord because last year Adam Schefter broke it on him here he goes on on his Instagram goes and posts the video on Twitter says that's it I'm done your thoughts I'll wait and see we've been through this before 
Wasn't it about a week ago that he came out with a bunch of F-bombs saying, I'm not ready to, to make this decision right now. Give me a chance. I need some time. It's only been a couple of days. Well, it's only been a couple of days since then. So what's changed since then? And I know he's had a tough personal life this, this past year, and he's lost 15 pounds and going through some personal issues. But, you know, if the 49ers came up and said, Tom, you're from the area. We've got a great football team, but we just can't keep a quarterback healthy. Even though you're 46, God's dog, you stay healthy. You get rid of the football. If the 49ers approach him like that, because he doesn't need the money, and he played for a lower price, I think he might say, you know what, I don't want to go through training camp, but I need to go through the OTAs to get with my players. I think I might come back and play one last time and try to get another championship with the 49ers. I'm not going to close the door on that. I think he might do that. If they, if they offer that, if John Lynch says that, I think he might do it. Nope. He retired. Nope. He's not coming back. About an hour later. Hey, he's not He's not coming back. Mark May of Redskins. Hog fame. A little smaller now, right? He is. It's pretty crazy. Leaned out. He's, I mean, he's a gigantic human being. He's 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, and when he played, he was over 300 pounds. He probably weighs 230 now. Yeah. Very nice man. Very nice man. Very cordial. Came over. And here's what's crazy. We sat down. We talked, and then when we got done, you know how it is, right? When, when we're places like that, whatever it may be, the, mm-hmm. the kind of, and they come and they sit with you, especially someone of his stature, like you thank them. You're like, yeah, all right. Like, yeah, one of the one of the people that I spoke with yesterday was done. He was gone. Like we got done, and then like I'm looking around, like who I'm going to talk to next, and he just just hanging out, just come talk. Yeah, he just kept talking. Yeah. So we did it. We did a little sound bite for my upcoming Super Bowl show, and nice. And then he still hung around. So we, you know, just kind Good. of... look at you. Bonding. Yes. Bonding with NFL greats. Yes. Well, he was bonding with Willie, so... Shrine Bowl's coming up. East West Shrine Game, right down the road from Silver 7's over at the Al. You can buy tickets, Ticketmaster.com. All the proceeds go to the Shriners Children's Hospital. We roll on. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyer, 766-1400. Company live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. I have two black quarterbacks uh, starting in the Super Bowl. I think it's special, and I've learned more and more about the, the history of the black quarterbacks since I've been in this league. And uh, uh, the guys that came before me and, and Jalen set the stage for this. And now I'm just glad that we can kind of set the stage for guys that are uh, kids that are coming up now. Patrick Mahomes, one of the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Willie's here at Schofield Silver Sevens on a Thursday, moving past the halfway point, getting ready to uh, head over to the Shrine Bowl. 5.30 kickoff. Tickets still available. Ticketmaster.com. Tickets start at 19-plus fees. So Willie was out there all day or in the morning on Wednesday, and there were a lot of NFL luminaries hanging out, including Troy Brown, the former Patriot wide receiver, which I played a little bit defensive back, too. Uh, perfect timing because uh, Tom Brady had retired like six hours before that. So uh, you caught up with Troy Brown. And one of the first things you got into was a little bit of analysis on uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, UCLA quarterback and hometown hero. Here's Troy Brown. I think they all, everybody's just been, been great, man. Dorian's been right there with everybody. So, I mean, he's been practicing hard, practicing well, you know, trying to lead this football team the best he can. So, uh, you know, in, in four days. So it's a short amount of time. But. He's actually done pretty well picking up the offense and, you know, and going out there and running it and running it well. So. You obviously have an incredible resume uh, with the NFL. 
The NFL has now been here for a few years, um, but Las Vegas is exploding even further as a pro sports city. Mm-hmm. East-West Shrine Bowl bringing this game. It's, it was here last year, but here for a second time. Um, the significance of, of what this bowl means to college athletics, college sports, the Shriners children, and, and, and being here in the heart of Las Vegas, which, as I said, is blowing up as a, mm-hmm. as a pro sports town. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... It's a great, I guess it's a great area for having this event, you know, to have the kids come out here, have the surroundings come out here and, uh, you know, put on an event like this in such a beautiful stadium, too, as well. So, uh, you know, so I just think it's, it's going to get better and better for these guys, and hopefully they can raise a lot of money to help their cause. So. Uh, and speaking of this stadium, happens to be the home stadium of somebody I believe you know pretty well, and Coach Josh McDaniels. Yeah. Uh, Sort of a rough start, not the not the start that Raider Nation probably wanted in the first season, but coming along and obviously making some changes at the quarterback position. Is is it is it just such somewhat of a grind? Raider Nation, be a little patient that McDaniel's is knows what he's doing. He's going to get through, get through, and, and what can we expect? You know, down the stretch here. Uh, I, I mean, I know a lot of guys on the staff. I know Josh really very well, so you know he's been a great coach uh, over the years. So. I don't want to comment too much about another football team, you know, but, I mean, they got a great staff, great guys on that staff, so and I'm sure they'll, be, they'll do a wonderful job. And last question, good buddy of yours announced that he was done. That's it. He's official. Went on the Instagram and Twitter to say, I'm retiring. Your thoughts, Tom Brady, saying it's over. Congratulations on a heck of a career, man. I mean, 23 years. I really don't see anybody else playing 23 years in this league, so, but, you know, he's just a heck of a competitor, and he put it on display every time he stepped on the field. And I think that'll be missed by a lot of people. Troy Brown. That was cool. Yeah, he was cool. And um, Dorian commented on being coached by the Patriots staff and, and Belichick. Talked about how, how sort of intense it was to sort of just be a part of, you know, a Patriots coaching, you know, for a, for a minute, right, when you're being coached up for being prepared for a game. You're being coached by an NFL staff, and and for the week while he's out there, um, he talked about wanting we you know we played the 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 interview yesterday, but talked about meeting with Raider scouts, and I'm sure that's not the only team. So the experience of being around the intensity of NHL coaching staffs, be it meetings, scouting meetings, or being coached up by the Patriots, you know, is a big deal for these guys. I mean, these are you know you got to remember these guys are. Uh, Troy Brown and, and and whomever else on that staff who was there. This has been a staff that's been in place since these college seniors that are about to, you know, hopefully get into the draft since they were what? In youth football, high school football, college football, watching them. So big deal for them. 15 seconds left. You mentioned yesterday uh, DTR, you know, playing some receiver in high school while he waited his turn at Bishop Gorman. Yeah. You guys talk about that at all? Is that something that's going to be considered? No. Position switch in the NFL? No, I don't think. You know, he's going He's going balls to the wall. It's all about quarterback. Man. Brad Powers on the way, professional sports gambler. Props are out around the state. We'll get into the Super Bowl props. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers. We are lucky to get Brad Powers on a Thursday because uh, it's go time now. It's go time. A lot going on. Brad, how you doing, buddy? Excellent. How are you? Good. Let's do a little college football before we get to Super Bowl and props and some thoughts on last weekend. First, do we finally have a 
destination is it set in stone with Jaden Rashada, the quarterback out of California, who has bounced from commits to uh, Miami to Florida, now to Arizona State? What do you think? Uh, it's a good move for him. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Kenny Dillingham's a young uh, coach, but uh, you know he's young in age. He's got plenty of experience. He's, you know, sort of a speak a quarterback guru. Guru did a good job with Oregon last year. I know it's his first head coaching gig, but I've been impressed with pretty much everything he's done as far as filling out a staff, as far as you know, signing recruits, as far as getting transfers. Now, I mean, the, the job's not going to be handed to Rashada immediately. He's going to have to compete with two, three other guys. But uh, yeah, th- thumbs up for that move, particularly for Arizona State. Did I see you tweet that there is a spring practice already opening? Yeah, Bowling Green started on Monday. Spring practice. Wow. So and. Spring game for them is March 4th. So, yeah, okay. no, there is no offseason when it comes to football. Yep. We always uh, joke that it's 10 and a half months, but now it's 12. Now it's 12 because now you have a, an impact quarterback deciding where he's going to go. Uh, we're going to have the reopening of the transfer portal after the spring. It'll be flooded again when guys are like, eh, yeah. I'm not going to win the job. So uh, that's on May 1st. I wanted to ask you about Arizona State on this front because last year we really started to examine – Hey, how much do we know about the impact of transfers? What kind of difference can they make? I mean, I think you know we saw some good examples around the country. Arizona State is a, a, a team, and I don't know what their total transfers are now. It's got to be north of twelve or thirteen. How do you approach from a gambling standpoint? You know, going to the summer when the win total numbers come out and trying to make an accurate read on just what impact transfer, uh, transfers could have on certain teams. Yeah, I mean, it requires me to physically, if they're already in school. Uh, I mean, I think it becomes uh, – people can roll their eyes all they want, but I, I like watching spring games more than ever before, uh, especially if a lot of those transfers are already there on campus. It's just, you know, I, I get a good look and see how they fit in those particular systems. Uh, it's not an end-all, but, I mean, you mentioned Arizona State, 12, 13 transfers. I'll do you one better. They have 26 transfers plus 20 recruits. Wow. So they are bringing in 46 brand-new ball players. That's more than half the team. Uh, I mean, so uh, almost an entirely brand-new team. So uh, you can't necessarily go back to last year's tape when all those guys that are on last year's tape aren't there. It requires you to watch, you know, the transfers at their previous uh, stop. And I just think these spring games, since they're televised, why wouldn't you want to watch a practice? I know it's a glorified scrimmage. and I know the game plans are going to be vanilla, but you can at least see these new ball players in a uniform. Uh, spring games also give you an idea, along with you know really paying attention to the reporters locally, they give you a good idea of uh, who may start at the most important position, and that's quarterback. And not every transfer quarterback moves to a new location and gets the job instantly. I mean, you really you really got to study what's going to happen come you know late August, September about who's going to be out there behind center. Yeah, uh, certainly. I mean, beat writers. People ask me like, who do you follow on Twitter? And a lot of times my answer surprises people, and a lot of times it's not like a bunch. Of, I do follow other gambling guys and whatnot, but the guys that I really like paying attention to, the guys that I create specific lists for are the beat reporters. They're usually a lot of times first to injury reports. They're first to, you know, breaking news, uh, you know, get, you know, a new starting quarterback, uh, you know, if they're going to change up a game plan or whatnot. They're, they're in the weeds on that specific team. Now, they, they don't do me a look of good for, you know, 130 teams, but each individual team, I would like to think that they know, know more than most. So, yep. uh, yeah, it's vital to follow those guys. And I'll, I'll pump my own handle and also the, uh, you know, what we do locally here with UNLV All Access. Uh, the last couple of years, 
all you had to do is read my stuff because two years ago, yep. everyone nationally kept talking about Tate Martell, and I'm like, he's fifth string. Like, he's got an injured thumb. He ain't playing. It's not going to happen. And last year was even crazier because uh, UNLV got a Tennessee transfer in, and everyone, you know, a lot of people around the country are like, Harrison Bailey, going to start. And I repeatedly, I'm like, he's third on the depth chart. He's not freaking starting. Now, they weren't saying it, but I, I'd go to practice, and running with the ones was Doug Brumfield. Yeah. Like that, then that, and that's why, you know, if, if, probably Tweet Deck is the best spot. Set up a column, find all of your college, you know, local college football insiders, and there's a cornucopia of information there. Certainly there is, and not to toot your own horn, but uh, I mean, you were literally breaking some like news as far as the injury front. Uh, you know, some cluster injuries for particular games and whatnot. So uh, it's vital to have. Now the, the guy's got to be worth a lick, and, and you know. You're really good with UNLV. There are some guys out there that uh, I don't think do a great job as much as you do. I think it helps you that you get kind of that gambling feel yeah. uh, where you know what's vital and what isn't. Uh, we got the Shrine Bowl in town today, and uh, Willie and I were just talking about the quarterbacks, and one of the local guys you know, who went to UCLA is uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and we are talking about his potential impact in the National Football League. From watching college football, I'll name you some of the quarterbacks in this game. Is there a guy in this group that, you know, might not be a starter, but could be, you know, an 8-10 year backup between Tanner Morgan, Aiden McConnell, Tommy DeVito, and DTR? Oh, wow. Uh, I like, who did you, who none do you think? Of the above. Who, yeah, none, none of the above. Of the above. None of them project? Okay. Uh, maybe a Tanner Morgan uh, or DeVito as far as a backup. Uh, just because you know they got a ton of starting experience, uh, they see they're, they fit the mold of guys that I'm usually betting on or against in, in NFL preseason games. So I think it'd be one of those. DTR, I mean, for all the experience that he had, I mean, he was an incredible disappointment. And maybe just shame on me because I just got done betting on him at the end of the season against SC and again in, in the bowl game against Pitt and. For a guy with all that experience and all that ability, I mean, just really came up short in two of the biggest games of his career. It is funny, though. You watch, you'll watch guys who say are like, um, I don't know, like the, the 10th to 25th quarterback in the country. They go and try to make an effort to get into the NFL. And there have been some surprises. Like, I didn't think that Scott Tolzien would have a, you know, a decent length career or even going a little further back, like Seneca Wallace. Uh, some guys, you know, yep. sometimes the guys who pop up, they may not be the most toolsy guys, but they're good in the quarterback room. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like having another coach on the field. I mean, if they're good in that playbook, they're not causing problems. Uh, they go in there and just do their job. I mean, true blue game managers. I mean, there's a role for a lot of those guys. Uh, look, I mean, I mean you're not going to make uh, on a year-in and year-out basis a heck of a lot of money, but when you add it up throughout the course of your career, right. I mean, I, I can think of a, not many other gigs that I'd rather have than a backup quarterback role. Uh, Chase Daniel? Anyone? anyone? Like, yeah. you know, James Lawson was, yeah, James Lawson was joking in the last game against Denver. He's like, does that guy have a helmet? Because I, I don't think he plans on playing. Like, he, he never gets in. He finally got in in the final game for the Chargers. Uh, Brad Powers with us. Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter, bradpowersports.com. All right, you bet in game in that Eagles-Niners game. So did I. I rolled the dice. When I saw Purdy go down, I'm like, this is going to be a disaster. But I saw that you got a bunch of guff from commenters for jumping on the injury and playing the other way. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Like, I didn't even think it was controversial. I just said, I mean, well, I mean, maybe it was my tone, but I don't know how you can judge a tone off a tweet. I mean, come on, folks. Right, right, right. And I just basically said, if you were not 
betting the Eagles in the last 10 minutes. Not it was a you know bam bam. I, I originally bet the Eagles because uh, remember he got hurt on a, on a play that was originally ruled an incomplete pass. And it's clear they, they showed like two replays before they went to commercial break. That was going to be overturned and, and become a fumble. And the Eagles already up a touchdown. We're going to have the ball at midfield. So. That's why I was already running to bet the Eagles at that point. And it was almost like an added bonus that, you know, Purdy, we didn't originally know, at least in that first commercial break, that he was hurt. I mean, that was like an added bonus. So I, basically what I just said was, in that 10-minute period, with all that information that was coming at you, if you didn't at least attempt to bet Philadelphia, now not every book had it up, maybe you didn't have as many outs as I did, I, 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 this isn't for you. I mean, it just isn't. And kudos to you for, you know, you were betting it, so I mean, come on! I mean, you don't have to be Elon Musk to figure some of this stuff out, folks. Yeah, I don't know if I got a good number. I bet the Eagles eight and a half when it was seven seven, and I just rolled the dice that Purdy was down for the game. Um, the other thing I thought it was interesting: you got comments from people who said, basically, you're not a sharp. Sharps don't bet in game. And when I saw that, I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, look, there's sharps that don't in-game lie bet because, I mean, they have these significant bankrolls that they've built over time, and they just don't want to deal with, you know, relatively, you know, limits that they would consider to be lower. I mean, they, you know, they don't bother with $1,000, you know, type stuff like that. But, I mean, those guys are so few and far between. But, I mean, you know how it is on Twitter. Everybody's a millionaire. Of course. So, Brad, the um, the game and the, the the second champion conference championship ended. I was punching in the numbers in my in my uh, personal spreadsheet program. I have Eagles twenty five point six, Chiefs twenty three point three, and within I don't know an hour, boom, went from pick 'em to the exact basically the exact number. Uh, Eagles minus two to uh, whatever it was forty nine and a half. I had it sitting at forty eight point nine nine. So as it is. Um, it, you know, based off the opening number, I had Eagles in under. And where the total has emerged, I, for me, in my program, the under is a little more valuable right now. The total, you've already played this? I did. I bet under 51 uh, as soon as it got posted circa. Uh, I was a good bet. Uh, original money agreed with me. Uh, the money since then says I'm not that sharp. So <laughs> we're right back to where we started at 51, but. Uh, if I had to redo and make that bet, I'd do it again. Uh, look, uh, it, it, if the injury reports continue to get better on Kansas City, we might see continued uh, money uh, on the over. But more importantly, we could see continuation of money coming on the Chiefs. So that would be my expected moves here uh, in the next week. But I'm comfortable with under 51. I mean, if I wasn't, I wouldn't have made that bet. Yeah, I like the under, too. I, I think that Andy Reid has to – play a conservative game to not get sucked into three and outs with that against that defense, number one. Number two, I heard so much ridicule of Jalen Hurts in the conference championship. Oh, he looked terrible downfield. It's not necessarily his style. That's not their style of game. It's more about rushing, him doing dual threat, him dink and dunk, uh, screen passes. It's not about the downfield attack with that team. It's about grinding it out, ground and pounding, and, and, and the strong defense – and again, back to the Chiefs, I think that they have to be careful and play conservative and, and not get caught into the Eagles' trap. That's why I think it's going to be a tight game, and it, it could stay low. I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Andy Reid in big-time games kind of you know, come up short. many, And we got you talk about sample size, data points. We had 10 of them as far as AFC and NFC championship games. And it's just 
uh, year after year, even the game that they just won. It's just, I, I don't know, they just don't play as free as what they typically do in the regular season. And in a Super Bowl game with all the pressure, I think at the very least, um, first half under. I mean, as that total continues to trickle up, now you can find under 24 and a half. I like that as well as far as the first half under. Brad, I got like 30 seconds left. Was there anything you noticed today? We were like, oh, there's good line value on this Super Bowl prop. Not yet. Uh, when we talk next week, I'll have a few. I have bet a few, but it was mainly just guys that are better than me at originating Super Bowl props who told me to bet this. There you go. All right, Brad, we appreciate it. Good spot as always. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Brad Powers. BradPowersSports.com. Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter. He bets. He posts the tickets. Winners, losers. Believe me, he's a sharp. So for the idiots who are like, you're not a sharp because you bet. Get out of here. What are you, crazy? Reno goes bye-bye now, but you can hear the entire show at LVSportsNetwork.com. That's also where Cofield & Company is archived. 5 o'clock hour is on the way.